We want to study for a little while from the Word of God. Let's use this to begin with. In Luke 14, we have Jesus speaking, says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth down, setteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. I think all of us have had times that we have built something. I remember back when we started the church building. We went to Amarillo. We went to Oklahoma City. We looked at different buildings. We got a builder involved. We counted the cost. And then we went along and, ooh, money's gone. So as a result of church members, we got some more money. And then as a result of individuals, we uh, ended up getting a, a church man from Alabama. He came and showed us how to wire the building. So we wired the building. Uh, from time to time, when the plug don't work, you understand now. Uh, we ended up painting the building. Garland and I called people, please come help us paint, didn't we? We painted the building, and we painted the building, and we painted the building numerous times. Uh, we put in different things. We put in the trim. We, we just did that. We, we worked on the, on the septic tanks out there for days, and then we worked days putting it back to what we'd done. I mean, a lot of time and pain. But we finished it. They, nobody was going to mock us. And we started the build and we didn't finish. So let's think a little bit about counting cost today. I have told my grandchildren this story. So you're not grandchildren, so uh, grandkids, y'all don't have to listen. Uh, the first vacation that I remember Becky and I taking, we, uh, we went to uh, Colorado Springs. And we had a budget, uh, Motel 6s. We took an ice chest, and our budget was $10 a day for food for four of us. And we did it. We did it. We made it. So... Uh, we counted the cost to do that. A lot of you are saying that ain't possible, but, you know, bologna's not high, bread's not high, so anyway, we made it. So now then, here's the main question for the day. What does it cost to go to heaven? Have you counted the cost to go to heaven? We sang about heaven. We study about heaven. We like to study about heaven. Now, how beautiful heaven is. We're not doing that today, okay. Let's study about what it costs to go to heaven. I think everybody here wants to go to heaven. So let's, let's look at the cost. In Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as by one man centered, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Establish one thing here. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were told, do not eat 
of the tree in the midst of the garden. Do not. If you do, you'll die. What did they do? They ate of the tree in the midst of the garden. They're, they died. They're not alive. But that sin carries to us today. Each one of you in this room will die. It's a promise. It's going to happen. Or you might be alive when Jesus comes again, and then you'll be changed. Death is going to happen. Okay, and now we're going a little further, starting verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment is by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses into justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign into life by one, Jesus Christ." Paul wrote this, and he was educated, and it kind of gets wordy, but I'm going to make it simple. The devil deceived mankind. We suffer the consequences. Two, Jesus died for you as an individual, and Jesus can save us. That's the gift. Sometimes I look and read this, I say, you know, he died for everybody. Today, I don't want you to think about it that way. Jesus died for you, each one of you. Don't worry about these on each side of the building. He died for each one of you. <coughs> this next part is hard for me, so I apologize now, okay? The death of Jesus. We had a preacher from OSU last Sunday, and he went into some of this, so I'm going to try to shorten it. Let's start uh, and tell a little bit about Jesus' death. He talked about Jesus as he went into the garden and prayed. And he prayed so hard that it was like his sweat was like drops of blood coming down. I've been in the room when a brother or sister prayed and cried. That's touching. That's very touching. Jesus prayed so hard the sweat dripped like blood. He's saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to die, I don't think. Maybe he knew what it was going to be like, but he prayed, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. A little time goes forward. He goes out. He finds his disciples sleeping. They're supposed to watch, but they slept. A little more time goes by. And here comes Judas with soldiers and some other Jews. And he kisses Jesus. Jesus says, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss. And here's Peter. He's willing to fight to the end. He cuts off the high priest's ear. 
Jesus restores the ear. Let's go a little further. He is taken before the rulers of the land. I think it was Annas, Caiaphas, and Pilate. All of these and false accusations was made. You know, this man said he can tear down the temple and build it back in three days. All of these things, claims, was brought up about Jesus. Yet they could not prove them. While this was going on, here's Peter that's willing to fight to the end. And a maiden comes up. Hey, you was one of them. No, 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 I wasn't. Another one comes up and says, Surely you was with him. And he says, No, I don't even know the man. The third time one comes up, Your speech betrayeth the you. So he curses and swears, I don't know the man. And then the cock crew. Jesus had told him, Before the night is over, you're going to deny me three times. Do you ever deny Jesus? Do you ever run away from him? Well, they finally said, well, let's, what are we going to do with Jesus? Time of the Passover, they usually turn somebody loose. Pilate asked, who do you want to turn loose? They said, Barabbas, a common thief. So they turned Barabbas loose. What did we do with this Jesus? He's a just man. Crucify him is what the mob cried. Crucify him. So they put a purple robe on him. That means royalty. Put a crown on his head of thorns. Hit him with the crown. Hit him on the crown with a stick or something. Prophesy who's hitting you. Blood trickles from his head. Can you feel the pain? The humiliation? They strip him of his clothes. And take him to be scourged. You know, I've read quite a bit about scourging. I was going to put a picture up and decided not to. As he stripped, they stretch him over something. I don't know what. And they take a scourging whip. And the pictures I've seen was a, had a little handle with numerous strands of leather and these might have metal or steel or something sharp on it, and they'd strike him with it. And that wouldn't be just like getting whipped by your dad with a belt. It tore off some flesh, and they'd strike him with it, and they'd strike him with it, maybe up to... 38 times. One writer said the scourging could be 39 less one or else they'd die. This was so cruel and so bloody, so much blood was lost, internal organs might be exposed. They didn't want him to die, just nearly. The scourging was done so he wouldn't put up a fight to be put on the cross. What a bloody mess. Can you think of the pain, Jesus? Can you feel the pain? He can't even carry his cross now. So as they get to the cross, some type of nail 
is drove into his hand. Feel it? Well, he's got another hand. Driving the nails in his hands. Feet. Now they got him on the cross. He's hanging there and he can't even get him air on the cross. This is what he's going through. They had, Pilate wrote this to put over the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. One of the scribes or Pharisees said, don't do that, don't do that. Right, he said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate says, I have written what I have written. So now then, let's start in verse 45 of Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they had heard that said, This man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and give him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come and save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after the after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared into many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. So as we think about Jesus dying for you, I want to make something for you to remember. You know, when Jesus died, the dead in the graves arose. Now, this is important. Get this. The dead in the graves will arise again someday. When you're dead and gone, you will arise again. That's important to know. You will arise again. Next thing, we talk about this gift. Jesus asked a question in Mark 1 and 15, saying, This time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This free gift. Why do we talk so much about the gospel? You know the gospel. You hear the word. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You repent. You confess him before someone. And you're buried with baptism. Why do we do this so many times? Why do we talk about it? One, because it's so important. It's the most important decision you'll make in your life. Now get this too. You do not go to heaven without it. 
first step of going to heaven, the first cost to you is being buried in baptism. Don't make no plans for heaven unless you do this. That's why we're talking about it. Now, let's see what else it costs you to go to heaven. In Romans 6 and 10, For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto the Lord through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members of an instrument of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. Just as Jesus lived and done his Father's will, even though when he said, Father, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, thy will be done. After we become a Christian, we live unto God. That's part of the cost of going to heaven. Let's see what Jesus says in Luke 14 and 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Matthew 19 and 19 says, Honor thy father and mother and love their neighbor as self. But here he's saying, hate them. Hate means here is to love less. Jesus is saying, if any man come to me and love less, you have to love less your father, mother, wife, children, brethren, sisters, and your own life. Put God first is what he's saying. Verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. What comes before Jesus? Nothing. That's part of the cost we pay to go to heaven. Nothing comes before Jesus. Some, some examples. In Luke 5 and 59, And then said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first and go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. <laughs> hey, the dead cannot bury the dead. I've never seen that happen. The guy made an excuse. I've got something that's more important than you, Jesus. You've got to put Jesus first. Another example. Mark 1 and 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the bro- his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. What they do? They walked off the job. No two weeks' notice, no nothing. Boop, they're gone. 
They left everything right there. They just dropped it and left. How many times have you done that? I, no excuse. You know, I need to go do something. And they didn't say, you know, I, I'm not able to go teach other people about you. No excuse. They just, they're gone. This is what it takes. They didn't know about what Jesus was teaching. Second Timothy 2 and 15, Study has showed thyself to prove it unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You're going to have to study to get to heaven. We got people in here that are everything. Nurses, teachers. You have to study to get that. We've got students in here. If you're going to get a diploma, you're going to have to study. If you get to heaven, you're going to have to study. You're going to have to know the Word of God. You have to know what He wants you to do. It's going to take some effort. 1 Peter 2 and 11... Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. This may be the hardest part of getting to heaven. Things that you did as a sinner, you don't do no more. You put them away. No, 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 I, I, I can't do that. Well, let me tell you another secret. This is important to get into heaven. The devil don't give up. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. If you have a weak spot, he's after it. When you're the weakest, he's there. He'll whisper in your ear. I know that for a fact. It's okay. You can do it once. He will not give up. You have to keep your guard up and fight against him. In John 6 and 24, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto him, This is the work of God, that you believe on him who he has sent. Another important part. To get in heaven, believe and obey. Believe and obey. I've had people say, you know, I don't know enough to be a Christian. Here's what you need to know to be a Christian. That you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Don't really need to know much more. You're going to study. People in the church is going to help you study you're going to know what you need to know. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That's the important question. Philippians 2 and 12. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now the much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work. Some will have you believe you just do this and you got a ticket. When you get to the pearly gates, you got your ticket. 
That ain't right. You have to work. You have to be a servant of the Lord. James 1 and 25, But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Another important thing to remember from today, important to be a hearer and a doer. A hearer and a doer. That's a necessary ingredient to get to heaven. Let's look at James 2. Very familiar reading. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say that thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? If faith is enough, the devils are going to be in heaven because they believe in the Lord. They tremble. Faith will not do it alone. Faith is vain. All right, let's talk a little bit about commitment. In Mark 12 and 30, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love the neighbors thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Put God first. Remember we talked about you had to hate your father, mother, brother, sister's wife? That means love less. Who do you love the most? You love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's an ingredient to go to heaven. That's, that's pretty plain. That's the commitment. Thinking more along the line of commitment. In Hebrews 10 and 24, let us consider one another to provoke into love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the mother of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. How is your attendance? Are you here 99% of the time? Are you here 50% of the time? If we meet several times in a week, do you make one of them? What if your employer paid you according to how you showed up to church? Would you get half pay? Would you get full pay? Would he dock your pay? You're not here? This is part of commitment is being here. You know why? Because I need to be provoked into good works. If you're not here, you can't provoke me. You need to be here. That's part of the commitment. You're not very committed if you're not here. Another part on commitment. 1 Corinthians 11 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke in and 
said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, and when he had supped, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. If you're not here, you're not doing that. If you're, on, if you're at the lake, you're not doing that. If you're at the ball game, you're not doing that. That's not being very committed. That's not putting Jesus first. That's putting something else first. In John 6 and 53, Jesus said you had to eat his flesh and drink his blood or you have no life in you. How many of you that have had children or have children, if you got a child that hadn't eaten for a week or two, something's wrong. We can tell that something's wrong. You go to the doctor. Why won't they eat? Why ain't they getting stronger? They're getting weaker. We don't even think about that as Christians. I laugh and say, well... So-and-so missed church, they got a hangnail. Now, that's being rude. I apologize for that. I know there's times when you, <laughs> you got COVID, you're quarantined, whatever the deal is. Yeah. But some people will miss church for the drop of the hat. That's not committed. That's not putting God first. Some of you in business look at cost versus return. Let's think about that for a little bit. Revelation 10 and 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. I give every man according to his work, as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates to the city. Without studying how beautiful heaven must be, of course, I think most of you got an idea, the cost and the effort of being a servant to God is well worth becoming a Christian and serving Him. This is one of my favorite verses. In Mark 10 and 29... Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left houses and brethren or sisters and fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. I think the last time I, I used this, I I said, you know, if uh, you can find an investment that would return a, a hundredfold, that's, that's pretty amazing. Most of it, let's put some money in that. But think about it. If you were forsake your house, your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, land, you're going to receive a hundredfold 
in houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions, but eternal life. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. How important is that? This is, this is not even a good comparison, but let's say I could tell you about a job and you're going to start out at a million dollars a year. Each year, another million. Each year, another million. So they're increasing it. That's not a hundredfold each year, is it? You know, by the tenth year, if they just dropped in another million, that's a 10% increase. You know, another year or two, it's not even cost of living. I think you could live on a million a year and increase it a million. I mean, that's a good job. A lot of you would say, I want to find out about it. You might want to accept the offer and do this. But there's no retirement. You'd have to do your own retirement. That's still not as good as this offer from Jesus, is it? Another familiar passage. For what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give for your soul and not go to heaven? Figure up the million dollars a year increased by a million. In 10 years, that's 55 million. Trust me, I used a calculator. Would you take 55 million and say... I'm going to hell. Anybody wants to do that, I want to talk to them, okay? Because that's a bad deal. That's a bad deal. Romans 6 and 22. But now being made free from sin and became servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Another important part of today's study, there's two choices. There's two ends. You're going to one place. You know, you had no control on Adam and Eve eating of the fruit. Death is upon you. You have no control over that. You're going to die. You do have a choice of your eternity. Do you want heaven? Or do you want hell? Hebrews 5 and 8. Though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Some questions for you as we close. I want you to think, have you obeyed the gospel? You know what the gospel is? Have you obeyed it? Have you obeyed it correctly? Do you have questions if you've done it right? Was your sins really washed away? You know, we can take care of that today. We have clothing, we have towels, we've got water. We can take care of that today. That is the first step of going to heaven. We can take care of that. 
Are you being a servant of the Lord? Are you working? Or is he asking you to go and you don't leave your nets? You don't become fishers of men. You've got an excuse. Uh, You know, I can't, I can't, I need to do this. What's your excuse? We can take care of that. Last question for you. Who do you put first in your life? I think we've all failed at this from time to time. We don't put Jesus first. Our actions show that. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.